Welcome to the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast. <laughs> this is the podcast where four mental health professionals, three of us Canadian, one of us American, serve you cutting edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan Howes, clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I am Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from Coquitlam. And I'm and Joanna I'm... Boyd, a registered <laughs> clinical counselor, also from Coquitlam. That's not what she sounds like, but anyway. Wow, Joanna, your voice changed. Very three octaves higher there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm Chris Boyd, <laughs> uh, clinical counselor from Coquitlam. That was that was great. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't really Joanna Boyd. Uh, that was her impersonator, Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> just in case anyone was wondering yeah just in case yeah. you couldn't quite tell because it was spot on yeah no yeah. joanna is uh otherwise occupied but we are going to make do as a as a trifecta of uh experts here right yes so i hope you guys enjoyed the last week uh we had our independence day on the 4th of july last week you had canada day right that's right yeah yes we had a lot of fireworks on our 4th of july which you guys don't even do you save those up for halloween if i'm not mistaken we do we do which is wacky as if halloween wacky folks as if Halloween doesn't have enough going on with costumes and spooking and like uh, trick or treating and all that stuff. You get fireworks too on that day. Yeah, but it adds to the ambiance with the like low lying smoke covered. Well, it's not even always low lying, but like oh, yeah. the cold air and the kind of the smoke and the smell of them. And plus, BC right now, loop this in, BC is uh, like on fire from wildfires. So if we did do them in the summer, that would be potentially really bad and hazardous. So not that California is not. Oh, yeah. And Tinder, but. Yeah, we're just. I think actually, I think if you were to to ask most people from the U.S. uh, these days, I think people would probably say, yeah, let's just do fireworks for every holiday, you know. (laughs) (laughs) okay all right memorial day labor day arbor day uh grandparents day just let's do some fireworks everybody we just like blowing blowing stuff up that's what we're into down here yeah it's way more accessible down in united states up here they're trying to regulate it more and more and more so i'm not even sure if you can even buy fireworks our last halloween you know i i'm not sure how legal it, it really varies from place to place down here like Certain towns, you can't buy anything. You can't you can't light anything. You can't set off any fireworks. But uh, somehow we have a, a massive underground fireworks network that just uh, you know just Shows some up. sort of a, a pipeline of, of fireworks showing up, and people are blowing yeah. stuff up all over the place. Yeah. So how about you? Do you have a do you have a guy? Do you have someone that sells you fireworks? Who's my guy? This should be an off the record conversation. Oh, it's true. You're In incriminating. Camera. Yeah, you're incriminating Ryan right now. <laughs> honestly i i'd tell you if i did but i don't i don't have a fireworks guy i mean i live in one of those areas where if you're caught with fireworks they uh they throw you in the slammer uh 
maybe not that bad, but it's uh, it's a big fine, hefty fine. Now, it's never really, I like watching fireworks, uh, you know, once or twice a year. We do them on New Year's Eve sometimes too, but uh, I'm not that big of a fan. I don't need that yeah. so much. So were you saying that even after the 4th, there's fireworks, firecrackers almost every night for what? Oh, yeah. For a couple of weeks, but, you know, preceding and and after the fourth, they're at least here in L.A., they're the fireworks season is just going strong. In yeah, fact, dare I say that it's booming? Oh, <laughs> Brooke. Wow. But a bunch. It's pretty harsh. Uh, we're, we're actually recording after sunset, and I'm sure if I were to stick my microphone outside right now, we could hear some fireworks going off. Just just because people have them and they want to blow stuff up. July 8th, special sure. day. Special day for fireworks. All, all summer is fireworks summer. Crazy. Yes, we're into that. Cool. So, so yes, you guys, I uh, hope you're having a healthy, uh, healthy summer filled with self-care and taking good care of your minds and bodies. Good wellness summer for you guys. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I practiced some relaxation last week after our our compelling conversation. Oh, good. So I won. I did some wind down exercises, but also um, did some relaxation. So it worked out really well. So I feel very rejuvenated. I heard a little feedback um, from a listener who said, "You know, I thought you guys were going to go into a few more practical exercises about, you know, regarding." relaxation you know we mentioned things like progressive relaxation and deep breathing and stuff like that but kind of thought maybe we'd get into some more you know open up the 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 the, the bag of tricks of uh, relaxation tips oh. and tools okay maybe i should change my topic <laughs> <laughs> no not necessarily but uh you know we, we can keep that in mind i guess going forward people kind of like to have their Something pragmatic, something to, to try. So we did talk about progressive relaxation where you flex a, a muscle group and, and relax it kind of intentionally uh, going up and down your body. Um, so we thought maybe uh, a meditation uh, as relaxation would be something that we could talk about too. And so we've done some mindfulness stuff in the past. We could talk more about that uh, maybe sometime in the future. Meditation yeah. as, a, as a path towards relaxation. So we are very eager to hear feedback from anybody. Please drop us a line anytime at info yes. at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Yeah. Let us know what you think, what you'd like to hear about. Yep. Uh, yeah. And also, if you are reading the book that we're going to talk about next week, I'm going to make that plug now. Right now. Week, right? Yes. After me. So Black Swan is the book. Next week, we will be discussing it. Yeah. Yes, we will. Um, I'm, I'm halfway through and I feel like I have a philosophy degree already. That's just a snippet. We'll get into Ooh. that next week. Incredible. I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. <laughs> um, uh, just back to the relaxation. That's not uh, what the book's all about. Um, I did a lot of mindfulness over the past week. So just being in nature, trying to focus on the senses and the thought popped into my mind. I notice it non-judgmentally and curiosity focused back on what I was um, noticing so I was trying not to get sucked into the the planning or the, the focus um, rehashing anything within my mind 
it helps that uh, I actually snuck away to a town called Souk by the beach. So I got to sit by the beach and just, again, just really focus on what was around me. Also got to play my Minecraft and I, I've actually built three spas in my Minecraft world. So I actually hung out in one of my spas, <laughs> which is good. You hung out in a Minecraft spa? Yeah, I, got, I built three different ones. So Okay, that's yeah. great. They have I went different... to one of those and hung out for a bit. And... So that's awesome. It's a very meditative focused or mindfulness focus is um, what I practice over the past week. Is can't go wrong with nature, right? We have a strong connection to nature. So, uh, how is Sook spelled? S O O K E. S O O K E. And is it in on Vancouver Island or is it on? All right. Across from Port Angeles. Okay. Wow. Which is Washington, right? Yes. Yeah. Very nice. Is it a big, big place? Pretty remote? What's it like? It's, yeah, a small town. Good mm-hmm. vibes. Nice people. Lots of hiking and nature. And um, there's a big, like, trail. Like, it's quite a famous trail. It's called the Juan de Fuca Trail that connects, like, a bunch of beaches and stuff along the coast there. So, um, yeah, like, a bunch of the beaches from Souk are kind of in there. And it's great. Great hospitality, but uh, small town. Oh, it sounds, sounds lovely. Yeah really does. Mm. Very nice. Great place for mindfulness, Chris. I'm not sure if it's a great place for Minecraft, but I guess it, I guess it turned out to be. I did that before I left. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Uh, Yes. I think that's a great, uh, it's a good example there of just being aware and non-judgmentally. That's all that mindfulness stuff is about. Aware of what's going on. I, I think we mentioned one time uh, kind of a nice practice. If you're into listening to music, listening to music, um, like just pick one one instrument and listen to that one instrument throughout the song. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's kind of a neat way to to focus and and just kind of be really present for that uh, that piece in the, in the in the music. And I think Brooke, you said something once about like. Look around and and point out everything that's blue or something like that, right? Yeah, well, game of I spy with yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's just ways to kind of be in the present moment. Exactly. I like that. Well, guys, do we have a a topic this evening? An ambush where I guess two of us don't know the topic, one of us does. Yep. I got one for you. Okay. I'm eager. Excited. I'm it's very excited. It's a very excited. Brook topic. Oh, boy. I'm joking. Dude, we I love the Brook topics. I think it's not a topic you would expect from me. Okay. Well, Brooke, right. you always give us the unexpected, so bring it on. Ready? Yes. Send I'm it sending on it. Okay. I just had to double check that I was sending it to you, Ryan, not like in case it went to some other Ryan that I might know. Okay, got it. It's a common name these days. Yeah. Uh, okay. Wow. <laughs> I love Ryan's reactions. I, well, are we, yeah. What are I, we in for? Because <laughs> I was like it's, sweating. I'm like, yeah. oh no, this is, a, this is bad. This is a bad thing. It's a bad sign. Are you nervous right now, Christopher? 
Yeah, I'm gonna go to my spa. We'll be back. I like I this. I think you're topic. gonna like this topic. I think Chris, you're gonna like this topic too. Yeah. I already like this topic. Okay, here we go. Therapy, psychology, and mental health in media. How is the field portrayed in popular media? How has it changed over the decades? Any shows that stand out as highly accurate or inaccurate? So we're talking about how therapy is portrayed in movies and TV. Yeah. Uh, I suppose literature would count as well. Like sure. any sort of media and how how therapy is portrayed. Whoa. And, this is a... and mental health in general, right? Because, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, there is stigma or stereotyping and- Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I think it has changed as we learn more about the field um, and how it's portrayed in media. But a lot of times that's somebody's like first interaction with what it might be like, like people are curious and prior to the internet, you just had shows and movies. Um, and, and if you were curious about what therapy was like, you would maybe some of your formulation was actually coming from shows or movies that you were watching, right? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, to this day in, uh, in the New Yorker, like there, there's, there's always often a depiction of therapy, which is like they show classic psychoanalysis, you know, something, someone on the couch saying something as a, as a, you know, a one panel comic strip and they're saying something kind of absurd and the therapist says something kind of absurd or profound. Like it's a, yeah, people can get the idea that that's what therapy is. And, and boy, we can go through all the different ways that therapists have shown up on TV and in film. It's pretty, pretty amazing. I have, a, I have a, a bias, or not a bias, I have an opinion that a lot of times it's pretty inaccurate. Yes. The stuff we see on TV and in movies is not all that accurate to what actually happens in a therapy office and some might say well maybe it just doesn't happen in your office that way well i've supervised clinicians i've talked to a lot of people kind of know what goes on in most therapy offices and it's not really what you see on uh you know analyze this that whole, whole movie there or what about bob or yeah. some of the others where it's it's just pretty absurd you know yeah. but but it's 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 uh there's so much to say here I'll, I'll, I'll step back for a minute. It's hard to know even where to start, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, I showed an interest in this field a long time when I was a teenager. So I was always drawn to movies that were more uh, involving mental health or um, so like Girl Interrupted way back in the day, right? Or um, mm -hmm. Patch Adams even. That's kind of more of a classic -y, yeah, and just being drawn to, and then you're curious, like, is this actually how it goes or not? Or, yeah. I don't know. Chris, do you have any that come to mind from maybe when you were younger, maybe not recent ones? Oh, what about Bob? It's definitely a, a classic one for sure. You mentioned Patch Adams as well. I was going to mention that we met, <clears throat> we talked about this in the previous um, podcast that uh, we went to the Psychotherapy Network Symposium. And Brooke and I were hell-bent on trying to find John Gottman, a very well-known relationship psychologist. We kept on seeing a look-alike. Um, so a fellow of around the same height and stature. And we're so disappointed. We're like, oh, that's not John uh, John Gottman. That's a look-alike guy. 
we found out once we got home, the lookalike guy was actually Steven Spielberg. <laughs> and uh, so we're so uh, focused on finding a psychologist that most of you probably never heard of that we were um, blind to the fact that we, we could have probably met Steven Spielberg, who was kind of going in and out of seminars and hanging out. <laughs> But uh, um, but his movies actually stand out to me, oddly enough. Um, you know, these filmmakers do such a, a fantastic job of weaving psychology into their, into their storylines. And I think one of the reasons why his movies tend to resonate with people is because of that. There's a very genuine, authentic um, element to it. So for instance, for him, he experienced a lot of bullying growing up as well as an absentee father. So. There's always a childlike sense of wonder in, in his movies. Um, so I think sometimes movies, we connect with movies for um, very deep psychological reasons. Um, and it can move us, can evoke a, a range of emotions, right? As a result, <clears throat> as a result. So that, that's more subtle, the themes that are in there. And I think that's why his movies are so effective. But yeah, there's these more overt ones, right? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and a lot of movies uh, on addiction, like you're thinking of, is it Leaving Las Vegas? Was that one? Oh, yeah. Um, it's a big one. Yeah. And uh, what also stands out is even like a more recent one, like Silver Linings Playbook. Mm -hmm. And just the depiction of the American Psychiatric Hospital, right? Um, so... I agree. I, I think overall they are maybe not conveyed most effectively, but I do feel we might be going in the right direction a bit. Um, what makes you say that, Chris? Um, I think that's a good question. Um, maybe back to just the whole idea of stigma. More people are more open to actually receiving therapy. I think um, uh, back. I guess it wasn't too long ago, but when you think of psychology or therapists, you Dr. Phil would pop into your mind and what a dramatization of, of therapy when, uh, when it comes to, you know, I think Ryan especially is very connected to, you know, the psychotherapy field and you never hear that guy's name in any conferences. It's, it's just, again, it's very, it's dramatic. It's in your face. It's not a fair depiction of what therapy is like or psychology is like. Um, but it's very popular. Whereas I think more recently, there's some um, therapists, like true therapists who are becoming more mainstream, like your Brene Browns, who actually have a lot of good things to say. Yeah. So it's not sure. technically film, I guess. So maybe I'm deviating from that a bit. No, but. It's still media, right? And, and I agree. I feel like historically, um, mental health characters in shows or movies were like the monsters. They were someone to be feared um they were there was something because they were consistent and unstable and unpredictable and yeah so it was um there were i think a lot of fear around that and now oh. i i think they're trying to be a bit more compassionate like movies are trying to show that yeah here's the main character who has social anxiety or a panic attack might happen in a movie and sure it might not be completely accurate the depiction but at least it's not villainized yeah well, honestly, all the time, sometimes it is. Yeah. Here's here's one though where 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 life imitates art. Where you know, oftentimes when there's a crime, at least down here, people will will quickly jump to, oh, this is a person with a mental illness. Um, 
when oftentimes it's, it doesn't, the person doesn't have a mental illness or people start to, to believe, this is an interesting black swan piece here, if we could save for next time, people start to believe, well, if a lot of people who commit crimes, these kind of heinous crimes have mental illness, then does that mean that people with mental illness all commit crimes? Mm-hmm. And that is a, oof, that's a bad <laughs> correlation to start making because the vast majority of people with, with mental illness, even severe mental illness, never commit crimes they never they're never violent or dangerous in that way uh but there certainly have been many many films horror films just action suspense films where you you get the sense that the uh the villain is someone with a mental illness and i think that sadly um you know changes people's view of mental illness and and the mental ill right Mm -hmm. uh a more recent movie the joker yeah we go that was all about like mental illness and mm-hmm. trauma, historical trauma and that sort of thing too right absolutely yeah. sure yeah it's a, yeah a lot of these movies like another one that pops into my mind i'm not sure if you're a fairly brothers fan but me myself and irene so again it's often an extreme example of a mental health disorder and often it's not that clear cut um yeah so again kind of over the top and and uh and that's in that case kind of a source of humor which maybe doesn't really honor those who are maybe dealing with with uh, similar conditions very true all right i'm going to plug something here i'm going to self-plug if that's all right go for it uh there's this book called the happiness illusion how the me- how the media sold us a fairy tale right and I actually was able to write a chapter in this book. Ooh. I know. What does it say? Okay, it says uh, the self-knowledge industry and myths of happiness. And what I did, this is a, a book written from a Jungian perspective. Like a lot of a lot of stuff was about Carl Jung. And uh, I got to write this chapter talking about how a lot of the therapists depicted on film and on TV um, fit into a variety of of Jungian archetypes mm. and how they, um, and how they're again, not necessarily, not very accurate towards, uh, to what actual therapy looks like. But I, and my belief is that, I mean, there's two things for one thing. It's we're talking about entertainment. Entertainment's there to entertain. It's for fun. It's for, you know, they're, they're not there to, to educate us necessarily on what actual therapy looks like because honestly to tell you the truth a lot of actual therapy is pretty boring <laughs> it doesn't uh or it would be boring maybe to an outside viewer you know it's a lot of compassion and empathy and you know listening to stories and trying to uh patch things together that's, that's that wouldn't make uh necessarily great viewing for for today's culture in a 90 minute movie or you know a, a 10, 10 episode series um but we, uh, so there's, there's the entertainment part that they're not necessarily there for, for education. But I also think that there's, there are different biases that come in. You know, the screenwriters are people too, and they have their own ideas, maybe their own experiences in therapy. And my, my argument here is that, uh, you know, from a Jungian viewpoint, maybe some of them have sort of archetypes, which are kind of a, kind of a, a collection of, of personality traits that uh, someone might have. So I talked about how, there are um, therapists who are who fit maybe with the archetype of the 
the king or queen, the king or queen, which is kind of a, a familiar one for, for Jungian circles, which might be like Dr. Melfi from, uh, from the Sopranos, mm -hmm. you know, this is, she was someone who was wise and, and grounded and patient, and she could work with her, her client, you know, uh, Tony Soprano, who had panic attacks, but also, you know, was killing people and all this other stuff, but she stayed a real rock for him, which is, you know, pretty remarkable. I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie um, Ordinary People. Uh, this is an early 80s movie. Uh, fantastic movie that, that has actually a good portrayal of, of a therapist there. This guy, uh, Dr. Berger, who was Judd Hirsch. Um, he was a very strong, stable object for, for his, his client there. So these are, these are some of the better ones, but there's certainly ones, therapists who are more uh, like I had a warrior archetype. So the, the therapists who kind of fight with their clients when they're in the room. I don't know if you guys ever watched the show in treatment uh, on HBO, but that's something that was out about 10, 12 years ago. And I guess they've just uh, put out some new episodes recently um, with a different, a different therapist. Um, but this is a, this is a guy who came, he even said in one of the episodes that he, he comes from the school of thought where the client is always wrong. So whatever a client presents, he wants to come in with a contrarian viewpoint, you know, and he's oftentimes start almost fighting with his clients before they even sat down. Like, you know, Hey, I'm feeling upset today. Oh, you're not upset. You're just feeling guilty or something like that. He'd like, <laughs> he'd like start uh, stirring the pot there a little bit with them. Wait for great viewing, but uh, wasn't, all, I don't believe all that accurate for a lot of therapists. Uh, the magician is another one I use uh, as an archetype. I hope you don't mind me going through my little lecture here. No, this is great. Oh, yeah. Go for it. The magician, which I also, I put Dr. Phil into that category because Dr. Phil somehow, you know, someone comes in, they've got a big, a big problem, usually big, you know, massive problem they've been dealing with for a long time. Dr. Phil would like throw some, some Southern platitudes at them. You know, how's that working for you? And, uh, you know, that dog don't hunt or whatever you might say. And, yeah. uh, and then suddenly after 45 minutes, the person's in tears and they're hugging it out and everything's better, right? Which is, and I had clients during Dr. Phil's heyday who would be like, hey, can't we just do some Dr. Phil stuff in here? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that'd be great if it was actually therapy. Cause I, I don't know how you just kind of uh, concoct a, a solution in a single session that uh, where everything falls, falls into place. Yeah. Um, I put, uh, some people might might not like this, but I put um, Robin Williams, uh, the therapist from Goodwill Hunting in that category too, as the magician, right? Yeah. Because- uh, His Matt, took a little longer at least with yeah. Matt Damon. His did take a, took a little bit longer. Uh, it involved some physical violence when they had a fight with each other. Uh, but at the end, there was just this, this one intervention where Robin Williams was saying, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And uh, Matt Damon was like, no, you know, don't, don't say that to me. Don't mess with me. And then they, then he cried and they hugged it out and he was fine. Um, I'm not saying that breakthroughs don't happen in therapy. They certainly do. And we experience them all the time, but something that's just like a, a one and done fix for somebody is yeah. not all that, not all that common. Uh, Certainly the idea of the lover as an archetype of therapist, 
which has been unfortunately misused many, many times in therapy. Uh, so many, so many times where the boundaries crossed and the therapist becomes a lover to the, to the client, which as we all know is like rule number one, that can never happen in therapy or that should never happen in therapy. A massive violation, but movies like Prince of Tides, uh, Mr. Jones, 12 Monkeys, a movie called The Sessions, even 50-50, the movie with uh, Anna Kendrick and Seth Rogen. And, um, yeah. you know, she became a uh, uh, kind of a girlfriend of, of one of her clients. Yeah. Um, the movie Tin Cup with, uh, with Rene Russo and uh, what's his name? The guy from Dances with Wolves. Anyway, that they they fell in love as well. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Yeah, that's right. It's a golfing movie. Anyway, so way too many movies that show that there's there's a romantic connection between therapist and client. Sadly, uh, and then of course there's the fool, uh, which I think is another archetype that we see a lot. That would be Leo Marvin from What About Bob. You know, he, he writes this this book about baby steps and uh, and suddenly his client is there on his vacation with him. And and Leo Marvin is like kind of nuttier than his client in a lot of ways. I mean, and that's just it's funny and it makes for great comedy and, and kind of an interesting show. But, uh, man, there's a lot there's a lot of those out there. Um, a lot of this is where a lot of the, the jokes come from and um, in the cartoons and 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 different little skits on Saturday Night Live, something like that. And then finally, his last one I'll mention is The Shadow, which is the therapist who is really kind of sinister, um, you know, kind of kind of the evil one. Uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo was was one of those. There's one of those in there. Of course, Hannibal Lecter from Science of the Lambs, he's a psychiatrist and yeah. he had a, a dark side for sure. And then I do mention... Um, Nurse Ratched from One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nests. She wasn't a therapist per se, but she ran group therapy sessions with, with the patients on the ward. And uh, she was she was harsh. She 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 caused Billy Bibbit to uh, to kill himself, you could say. So there's there's a lot of that. Like the therapists are there with kind of this this uh, sinister, um, you know. This hidden agenda that that, that we have that uh, we're really trying to hurt people when we're we're sadists behind all of these kind words that we we share. Yeah. Well, that was a great breakdown. Well, yeah. thank you. Appreciated that. Yeah. Thank You've you. Seen a lot of movies. You I had did to do a lot of research. I did a lot of research, and I do gravitate towards movies and and films with uh, with therapists in them, just because I want to see. Like I, I want to see, but I don't want to see. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, cringing. Like, oh, what are they going to do now? Oh, no. Therapists so there's also, that. like, on Netflix right now, there's a show that people quite love. Um, it's not cringy for me to watch, but Mindhunter. Mm. Uh, and have you seen that? Where they're going and they're trying to, like, profile and whatnot. But, uh, and I'm sure this happens for all different, uh, like, professions in the media, but they break down, like, they'll say something like cognitive behavior or CBT, which is cognitive behavior therapy and digit and like work it into the script, you yeah. know? So they're like trying to educate and the acronyms and those inver the information's correct that they're providing or providing definitions to terms. 
but when yeah in the context of the scene i like can't help but roll my eyes you know um yes yeah. there was a movie there's a movie that came out a few years ago called identity that i think had john cusack in it of all people but it was kind of a suspense movie and there's a group of psychiatrists and psychologists sitting around a table and they're they're arguing a case like and it's just it's just so ludicrous like it's it's a dark smoky room and they're talking about this you know it's a case conference that they're 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 talking about somebody and they're fighting about the diagnosis and someone says someone says you can't say that this client or this patient has a access 3 uh dissociative identity disorder right <laughs> Which sounds impressive. You know, that sounds, oh, wow, an Axis 3 dissociative identity. So that sounds really, you know, boy, that's that's a big deal. But anyone who's been to graduate school knows that's that's ridiculous. Are, that's just word style. That doesn't mean anything. There's no, you don't put the Axis, the, the diagnosis on Axis 3. Um, it's like, did you, this is like millions of dollars into this film. Did anyone consult a therapist? <laughs> Because yeah. any therapist would go, no, you can't say that. That's, that's not how it works. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I'm curious, what do you have you two seen the movie Inside Out by yeah. Disney yeah. Pixar? So that's kind of an yeah, intriguing movie because they're targeting kids. And I think it is psychoeducational in some ways. I think it had a pretty good message at the end. What do you two think about that? Like they did a good job depicting feelings and emotions. Do you think? That would be a movie to recommend to to kids. I, I thought that it was good, pretty well done. I thought it was um, age friendly, uh, and yeah, Ryan. Uh, they talked to uh, Dacher Keltner and I think Eckner for that. Uh, they were consultants on that, so the big like people who are. Uh, yeah emotion experts right um and they I, I believe that it was it was it was very well done they're talking about kind of these these basic emotions that people have and kind of how they interact with one another and and the ultimate message there of uh you have to you have to experience some sadness in order to experience joy uh makes makes a lot of sense and also you know that change and kind of growth in, into adulthood is is hard well those messages right there are great takeaways i think from that film yeah i agree it's the um because the premise at first is you gotta be happy all the time right yeah and uh, the main character wasn't sure the happiness um feeling wasn't sure what to do with all these other ones you wanted to run the show but things started to go sideways there so yeah more of, um kind of normalizing the other feelings and emotions and the harmony among them all and how yeah sadness can lead to a lot of connection and ultimately to happiness so the goal is not to neglect certain feelings but to uh you know to experience them all so, i guess i guess a, a little bit of a cynical critic in me though here I yes gotta bring in the other side yeah which is i think that's a great movie that i think parents or adults like to watch because it makes them feel good about you know, oh, this is a great thing for our kids to to take yeah. in and and all that. I'm I I wonder though, and it'll be interesting to see maybe years down the line if kids are actually getting all of those messages. Um, mm -hmm. Because I, I showed my kids that movie; they've watched it a few times or a couple times, but really, just I don't know that anything really took there, like as far as yeah. absor absorbing those messages. It's actually pretty complex. The uh, 
the premise and all, all, all the characters and everything that's going on there is pretty complex. Yeah. And I'm not sure if kids are able to say, take that and go, oh, I'm feeling this and this I need to do. I'm not sure if it's generalizing to their lives. I don't know if kids are, are going to a Pixar movie to, to learn life lessons, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's, that's a good point. I remember talking to a young client and I asked him if he saw the movie and he's like, I do. I just love the anger guy. You're so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I think, I think we grownups kind of hope that it's going to be yeah. helping to, to shape and, and guide yeah. the, the younger generations. I don't know, but we'll see. It's funny. We'll see. Yeah. But that's, that's a great, as far as mental health and just kind of uh, uh, emotional awareness and that was that was one that was very intentional. You know, they it wasn't a byproduct. That was what they were doing. And they consulted the experts yeah. from the very beginning in creating that film. And and, uh, you know, they, they made yeah. what they wanted to make. For sure. You know, I was just thinking it might be deviating from the topic a bit here, but I use pop culture and movies and shows a lot in sessions. Often there's a huge stigma there and how people are watching too much Netflix and and whatnot so it has usually a, a negative connotation to it but you can learn a tremendous amount about someone by the preferences like the types of shows they watch and the characters they gravitate towards so for yeah. instance i worked with a teenager and um you know he really didn't want to be in in there in, in session and so we talked a bit about the shows he likes to watch and the walking dead was one of them and he said uh, daryl i'm not sure if you guys are walking dead fans was his favorite character and I actually watched the show and I knew that Daryl was someone who was very misunderstood at first and he had a kind of a, um, kind of a physically mentally strong persona, but he had a, a huge um, soft and emotional side. He's very loyal and he cared a lot of compassion there too. So he's actually one of the more compelling characters in there that he definitely, that character resonated with him. So I was kind of convinced that, you know, maybe, <clears throat> those are maybe qualities that he has or maybe those are qualities that he aspires to have so i do recommend if people talk you know if we're watching tons of movies and shows anyway then you can have some fantastic conversations to do with them talking about um, characters or just plots and and whatnot um yeah so i want to throw that out there so it could be with parents as well i always encourage parents to talk to you know, if you don't know what your kids are watching, then maybe research it a bit so you can talk to them about it. Because instead of just shutting it down, saying, oh, you should be watching that or whatever it might be. Great point. Right. Yeah. What, what are the kids watching? Who are the favorite characters? Who do they, who do they identify with? Right. Who, who's most like you? You can have great conversations based on those sorts of things. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's these shows are rich in metaphors and analogies and so it can also be very beneficial that way too so i i feel with a lot of clients we got to find creative ways to get the psychology across through avenues like pop culture so should we mention speaking of all that um 13 reasons why oh yeah that's a big one i don't know brooke you work with that population more than any of us do you mm -hmm. have any thoughts on that uh, I thought that show, I was surprised by it. Um, I felt that it was extremely triggering. Just, just to back up 13 reasons why the show about a, a girl it was based on a novel. I can't remember, but 
either way, is is show about a a girl who yeah. ends up um, completing suicide, and but she leaves uh, letters or notes or something that talks cassettes. about oh cassettes. That's right, cassettes. Cassettes, yeah. And kind of delineating cassettes. the reasons why she did this. Yeah, and it goes into yeah experiences and different traumas and and then the the spiraling of her the people who are listening to the tapes as well right mm -hmm. and, and yeah so i i felt that it was quite a triggering show it generated i think a lot of conversation for people i think it, it did good at opening the door to talk about difficult conversations of what teens are can be experiencing not everyone is experiencing but yeah how is therapy depicted in that show, Brooke? A therapy itself? Did they? It was so. It was a few years ago. I don't remember if there even was. There was like the school therapist. I don't remember if the main male character went to therapy. Yeah, was there... just a school therapist. They seem to recall. I never actually watched the show, but I think someone was telling me that she had to go talk to the school counselor. Yeah. And the school counselor was on a uh, call or something like that. And then she kind of walked off or yeah. felt that he didn't care about her or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah. And so I think he, I think the school counselor received like one of the cassettes of like, this is one of the reasons why. Um, mm. Mm -hmm. it was so it was regardless it was something that was a big it was a big deal in the mental health community when the when the series yeah. came out because and people were kind of torn because just like you're saying brooke like it's it's something that maybe opened up a lot of conversations and, and discussions about uh people who are feeling marginalized or abused or neglected uh or you know having suicidal thoughts um and these are all important conversations to have however this the way that the messaging was was kind of like um it almost kind of glorified the a bit the uh the, the suicidality like it kind of gave a kind of a noble victim sort of status to her in some ways and mm -hmm. made uh and and really externalized a lot of stuff like mm -hmm. you you guys are all the reasons why like didn't have much i don't i didn't watch the whole series but the criticism was it kind of it kind of glorified it a bit and made it seem like Hey, you can have this much notoriety too if you are feeling this bad, and that's that's what scared people. Nothing. Uh, there wasn't a lot of hope in the series. Right. You didn't right. leave feeling like, oh, this is how someone overcomes these experiences. This is how you right. can get through this. It was, and here's a new spiral because she. You're hearing her main spiral, the main character, but then all of her social network as more and more is being exposed, they're all going down their own spirals, but nobody's helping them, right? Like, and it's, mm. uh, yeah. So just this heavy sense of hopelessness and powerlessness and, but there, there is a way to overcome. So it was actually quite bleak. Mm. Mm. Like not just because the topics were heavy, but literally it was like there, but you can, like we can, there's help out there for you, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice to see that more is, you know, to maybe depict the seriousness of, of some of these mental health challenges. But 
having some tangible ways um, in which they can navigate through that more hopeful uh, messaging and more positive outcomes, you know? Yeah, certainly. Sure. Or even for things to be normalized a bit, like I know our field kind of turns into a comedy show sometimes for people like, or there's another Netflix, Netflix show, sex education. And so it's, about teenagers and what teenagers are going through or whatever but the main character's mom is a sex therapist who like has a home office and and so then the the son ends up being like a pseudo therapist for his friends at school it's it's quite a funny show but anyways um it would be great if in future media that it's normalized in a normal way like if you were to if somebody were to leave a meeting up with their friend for coffee and being like, oh, sorry, I just have my therapy, I have my therapy appointment, and then I'll call you later, like just in casual conversation. Sure. And for someone to be like, okay, cool, we'll catch up with you later. Like, can we normalize it a bit? Or <laughs> sure. I guess we're not quite at that level. We're still trying to reduce the stigma or say what you're experiencing is normal and valid. And it's not just you, you're not alone in your struggles. I think we're still at that part, but that's okay. We'll get there. That's yeah, that's that's the hope. I, I certainly share that view, Brooke. I mean, even here in LA where therapy is pretty widely accepted, there still still is a stigma to that. You know, people okay. don't don't talk about their therapy appointment with as much ease as they talk about their dental appointment, right? Like sure. uh, or like if you bumped into someone and they they're like, Oh yeah, I just finished my yoga class. Yeah. Or whatever it might be. Yep. Granted, it is a bit more personal. Obviously, it's a lot more personal, but well, but but what's the gets the, a little better? The fear is that raises the question of oh, what's wrong with you, right? Yeah. Like, oh, oh, you're going to therapy. Well, what's your what's your Are you issue? okay? What's your problem, right? Where I would say we all got a problem. <laughs> we all have many problems, you know, and if we could all benefit from having someone, uh, an objective outsider to help us through life's bumps in the road, you know, or whether it's a, a mental illness or a life circumstance or adjusting to some new circumstance in your life, I think yeah. we could all use, all use some help. So that's my bias. I'm a psychologist. I stand by it. There we go. There we go. Okay. Back to the question though. So media and mental illness, uh, has it changed over the decades? So we already talked about that a little bit. Chris seems to believe that maybe it's getting a little better. I think so too. Um, and I would say that I, I, I believe one thing that I'm very much in favor of is, is a lot of, a lot more celebrities and athletes are talking about their own uh, mental illness and uh, struggles with mental illness, right? Whole different uh, form of media there. Whole different form of media. Right. Right. I mean, a lot of, from, uh, from Kevin Love talking about his panic attacks to Michael Phelps talking about his depression and marijuana use to uh, Naomi, the tennis player herself talking about kind of a social anxiety. I mean, there's there are a lot of people talking about and, and a lot of athletes also talking about abuse in their past and their history. Like it's I, I think that's great because not just because, you know, it's it's getting more awareness, but it's these people who are have achieved so highly. You know, they're, they're, they're famous, you know, for whatever reason, for their athletic prowess or 
or uh, acting skills or whatever it is, but they're also able to say, Hey, look, I deal with these things too, you know? And if I deal with this stuff and can go to therapy or get treatment or take medication, whatever I need to do, you can too. And I think that's great for people who've idealized and idolized these folks to be able to know, okay, I'm not, it's not weird for me to struggle with this, this stuff, you know? Yeah. I had a client that came in and uh, she saw um, a show with Prince Harry on it. And I guess Prince Harry talked about EMDR and he was doing the butterfly hug. So the client coming in and say, well, how do you do this butterfly hug and EMDR? And she's trying to move her eyes back and forth while doing the butterfly hug. And um, it led to a good conversation, you know, got to explain how the technique kind of works. And we got to do it that session, but she was pretty excited and uh, about it and hopeful that it could help, help her out. So there we go. Prince Harry. I'm a big fan of, of the Royal kids there and all the things they're doing for mental health. That's, that's awesome. I love that. That's, that's the torch they're carrying, you know, let's work yeah. on these things. It's great. That is great. I mean, Harry's story is compelling and I mean, yeah, it, it speaks to a lot of people. It speaks to me. I relate to him in that he, he lost his mom and didn't really deal with stuff for a long time. And that's, that's similar to my own story. I'm like, yeah, way to go, Harry. Speak it loud and proud, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yes. So things have, we're saying that maybe there's, there's more, more discussion. Uh, millennials and Generation Z are talking about things uh, a lot more than their predecessors, which I think is great. Yeah. Uh, is anything, what would you say is the, is the most highly accurate therapy or mental health depiction that you've seen? Yeah, I don't even know. Uh, one, I would say our, our good friend, Esther Perel, who has a podcast, another form of media, um, a very popular podcast that she, where she talks to couples and does uh, some couples work. Um, but she's actually doing actual couples work with actual couples, really. So, yes, that's pretty accurate because she's doing the work. It's just a few sessions, but she's helping people out. Um, so Esther Perel, I'd say, is doing some accurate, pretty accurate work. Yeah, for, for, there's some fantastic podcasts and shows, like with YouTube videos and TED Talks, like some of the big guns there, are uh, you can access their knowledge so readily. Mm-hmm. When it comes to like a, a TV show or a movie, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But what popped into my mind, though, is I watched the show Fleabag. It's like a British comedy, a little raunchy. Um, but the main character goes to a therapy session uh, just because she wanted to get a refund. It was a gift. So she wanted to get her money back. And uh, so she she kind of um, adds dialogue. She talks to the camera, right? She shares her thoughts as she goes through it. So she thought it'd just be a waste of time. And she's been through this before. I think the therapist kind of surprised her a bit, pointed out some defense mechanisms and got her to think of a bunch of things. So actually turned out to be a time well spent and very uh, led to some, some good insight and introspection. So I enjoyed that just because of it. Uh, there was that connotation there that, oh, therapy is just someone's going to ask you, you know, tell me more or tell me what you're thinking or feeling. And but actually turned into uh, a pretty, pretty humorous yet uh, effective um, segment. It's great. 
Uh, I will actually go back a little bit on on my word a little bit and say that uh, the, the show, in the show In Treatment, which, which this is the therapist who kind of fights with his clients. Some of that stuff is, is I think, way over the top and just, just entertainment value. But there are a lot of things in the therapy sessions themselves that uh, are pretty accurate to, to, to actual therapeutic work. I mean, there's, there's these kind of transference things, like, like feelings between the therapist and the client are talking about their own relationship and about how that um, influences the work. Um, there's, you know, there, there's deception. There's other things that are going on that are actually pretty, pretty compelling and things that we might see. I would say that the problem with, with that show is that it was also condensed. Like even each episode of that show was a therapy session, but it was a half hour long. So like even a 50 minute or 45 minute therapy session condensed to 30 minutes, but it also brings in like a year's worth of work into nearly every session. Like there's so much going on, but a lot of the stuff that's portrayed in there is pretty good. So I would suggest uh, in treatment uh, season one, Gabriel Byrne in that show, it's pretty good stuff. Little, little, I used to watch that show with a, a love hate sort of feeling because I kind of dreaded all of the, 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 the little inaccuracies and, and the, his fighting with his clients, but some yeah. of it was, was pretty good. Brooke, do you have a favorite? I don't think I do. I don't think that I've come across something where I'm like, oh, that was pretty bang on. Um, I think, okay. yeah, nothing's good, which is funny because it's my topic. I should have maybe thought yeah. about that ahead of time, but um, yeah, I feel like it's, it's happening more in movies where clients are going to therapy, which is a good thing. And I'm just trying to think, I've definitely seen moments in these episodes where like the client reaction is pretty good or like I kind of chuckle at like the yeah. awkward silence, but the therapist is totally okay with it. And you can tell that the client's uncomfortable with it, like in these shows and stuff. Because we do that, there is a reason that we stay quiet as therapists, we're okay with it. We can sit there for the whole hour and be quiet if we have to. Yeah. You know? Yes. It's true. The other thing, uh, we all had different offices. Like Ryan, your office yeah. probably depicts more what a, a, a cinematic therapy office is. Brooke and I, we don't have like couches or they're kind of swivel leather chairs kind of thing. So we get that a lot. Oh, yeah, like a desk chair. A desk chair, yeah. So we thought, oh, I thought we a coach in here. Like you would lie down and, and we'd, so that's often depicted more of the psychodynamic traditional uh, coach there. Did I tell you guys I had one of those couches? Yes. You yeah. sent us photos. You were very proud of it. Yeah. Yes. I, I have one. I still have it. I don't, I'm not in an office at the moment, but, uh, and, and that it was a second couch. It was something that wasn't really used. It was more decoration, but I loved having it. I wanted to have one of those couches. From yeah. the moment I became a therapist, so it's a, it's a chaise lounge, like you know, fainting couch, whatever you might call that. But uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it was fun to have. Rarely, rarely used. Usually used when I would have a bunch of students in the office, and and uh, we need extra spaces to sit. That was about it. But, but yes. So uh, one other I'm going to throw out there is 
some of the other reality shows like Hoarders. I don't know if you guys ever watched Hoarders. Oh, yeah. Um, oftentimes they'll bring in therapists for or Hoarders always had therapists there where they would talk to the people. And it was kind of a, a classic sort of CPT approach, right? Like, all right, what do you, you know, what do you think about this uh this stuff? What do you think about the the, the collection of stuff you have here? And how can we kind of reframe those thoughts and what are the irrational beliefs and things like that, which was which was decent, but uh, unfortunately, hoarding is a pretty, it, it goes pretty deep. It's, it's hard for people to just uh, kind of think their way through that issue and would have a, mm-hmm. a really hard time working through kind of letting go of these massive amounts of papers and what everyone else would see as trash, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we should talk about hoarding sometime. I think that's a good topic. Get, get a, a, a hoarding expert to talk about what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Well, good. All right, we, we we covered our topic here, Brooke. I think so. There's uh, a bunch of movies and shows for everyone want to watch now. Like, yeah, I would say ordinary people. If you guys really want a nice a nice film to catch up to, to kind of see uh, see some good therapy, ordinary people is a great one. It's a little dated at 1980, you know, but uh, good, good film. All right. That's it for us. We will say goodnight for now. Please like and subscribe everywhere that you find podcasts. Write to us at info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com and just uh, come back and and see us again sometime. Don't forget to read the book. We have a book, Black Swan. If you still have time, it's a big book. We still have time to read that. We're going to talk about it next week. But that's it for now. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.